0: Welcome to Community Decoded, the ultimate podcast series for founders, VCs, and builders who master the art of community building. This podcast is brought to you by Thredo, a community management platform that lets you drive more engagement, identify brand champions, and scale a thriving community with automated workflows and personalized messages. We're so proud to say that we serve fast-growing community-led startups like Notion, Mixpanel, Whale, and more. What are you waiting for? Hit threader.com and up your community game. Now, let's talk about this podcast. Join us as we dive deep into the world of community building with some of the biggest names in the industry. Let's decode what it takes to build a Thrivee community. What's up, community builders? I'm your host, Sharat, And today, uh, thanks for, by the way, thanks for tuning into the Community Decoded podcast. Uh, the listeners are, 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 who makes the podcast, like, you know, keep going. So uh, I'm eternally grateful for you. Uh, Today, I have an amazing guest I'm bringing to the show. I'm very excited to talk to him about all things community building, right from the history to how the community space is shaping up in the future and whatnot. Uh, Jake McKee, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Doing good.
1: Right back at, at it this week after a long weekend that I had a great time at great weather. So
0: feeling good. Awesome. That's that's something that I want to hear from our guests. Like the they had like a good weekend, <laughs> good good days. Uh, but yeah, let me let me give you guys a brief intro of Jake. Jake is the OG community builder, he's the OG <laughs> community guy, if you want to call him that he's in the space since nineteen ninety-six which is very long time and i was probably like i'm i'm 7 years old at that time i'm so grateful that i am talking to him right now that's the longevity of jake right now you you can like really like think about that it's that long so i'm so glad i'm excited to learn some of the lessons from you jake but he played a pivotal role in building communities for world-class brands like lego apple southwest airlines canon and whatnot like the list goes on and on uh right now he's consultant uh, and runs like a community called dinner five which which i want to unpack in the podcast uh a, a project a community that brings senior level online professionals each month you know it's like a gathering i, I would love to like know more about it jake he also created Web com- webcomic about community management i really like the title by the way confessions of a community manager is such a such an authentic take right so i would love to like talk more about that but yeah that's that's jake uh we will keep all the links where you can follow him his work his website in the show notes but let's get this thing going so jake right off the bat uh you're you're like you're like the Yoda of community building. I have to say, I have to tell you, you've been <laughs> like, you've saw so many transitions and transformations of tech uh, since 1996, right? The the internet, the rise of internet, the rise of social, now the rise of content, like, you know, content being predominant uh, across like pretty much all industries. So I want to understand, uh, I have like so many questions that I want to unpack, uh, which will go back to your initial days. But in your opinion, where did it all started? Like, what is when did you hear about community as a thing, and people are doing it in a much more serious way rather than like you know, or a picnic or something that you bring together a bunch of people, which is very untraditional.
1: Yeah. So, your question: Where did all this start? Um... You know, obviously, is we're we're talking about digital online community. So, uh, right. to your point, you know, community has been a been a thing for many many years. Uh, I, I think the the online community thing it goes it predates me. Uh, you know, back <laughs> when back when computers were black screens and green text, there was still community happening, uh, both right. online and offline. But um, yeah, my journey started, and I, I've jokingly said this over the years, uh, maybe some of your listeners who, who know me will have heard this before, but uh, I've joked that I've been doing community since that meant convincing clients to put an email address on their website, because <laughs> there was a period of time when I first got out of school, and I went to school for traditional product design, came right. out of school and went straight into web development, because that was, to me, that was the new, the newest, most cool product mm-hmm. I can think of. Uh, but in those early days of of building websites for clients, uh, we'd literally say, you know, hey, let's put some contact information up there. Their, their response was often, well, "What happens if they contact us?"
2: Mm. Uh,
1: you respond, you know and that <laughs> that the first time somebody told me that, it was a real eye opening moment. Of right. we still have some work to do to educate clients on what this thing is and what you know what right. is this tool and how are you going to use it. Um, you know, hammers seem very simple. Uh, to anybody who's hammered a nail before, but if you've not done that activity, how to use a hammer may not be as obvious to you right
2: yeah.
1: um, but you know over the years you're you're right there's been a lot of transitions in, in some ways and you know in other ways, uh, good and bad uh, mm-hmm. largely what we're doing now hasn't really changed fundamentally differently. The tools have grown, the acceptance has grown, the scale has grown um, mm-hmm. but you know what what our functions are aren't radically different, I don't think. It's still about finding the um, the right purpose. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. Why are we trying to, uh, what are we trying to do to convince people to to come hang out with us, right? Uh, what is the purpose of this community? How do we communicate that purpose? How do we back that purpose up with a great platform, with great activities, with great community management moderation, uh, with great support uh, from, mm-hmm. from the organization running the community? Um, you know keeping it valuable over time to both the uh the the, the person or, or organization that's running the community and the members of it and that's been kind of my my, my mantra um, again for anybody who's talked to me more than 10 minutes and usually heard by my community building yeah. mantra which is everybody goes home happy
0: yeah uh, which the, the I wanna, idea yeah go ahead. yeah i want to definitely unpack the five-step process you mentioned in your website but Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. It's our Uh, So it seems like not many people at that time had like a awareness, right? How did you educate? What was like your process of going into them, talking to them?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I actually had a conversation earlier today with a, with a client about um, the, the concept of repetition equals mastery. And at the end of the day, It was uh, it was hardcore, dogged repetition. How do I convince somebody that community is important? I I did really. I did two things. I made sure that the communities that I ran or were part of were as successful as possible, Um, and then I continually found ways to uh, to take those successes, to talk about those successes, and and, back into the organization as many times as humanly possible. In as many ways to as many people as humanly possible uh, one of my favorite examples of this you know so i, I was i was at lego um, before lego really was was community centric let's say uh, because you, know, you look at lego today and community is built into their dna it's part of what they're doing and uh, you know I, I kind of track the the evolution of what we did at lego from when mm-hmm. i started where you'd walk into an office building somewhere and you know, maybe there was a desk with some Lego something on it somewhere in the in the building, uh, but you know, it was it was rare and unique, right? And these days, you walk in any office building, just about anywhere in the world, and there's going to be some Lego models sitting around a bunch of the desks, right? It, it sort of took on this this mainstream uh, nerd culture mindset that uh, hmm. that wasn't there when I started. Let me just put it softly like that. Uh, hmm. I did a lot of. Um, uh, I did a lot of work with uh, my colleagues to understand the value of what we were doing. But we still didn't have a lot of uptake in the early years. Right? It, was very, it was a very hard uphill battle uh, to move a company that had thought of themselves as a toy company for boys 7 to 12, by and large, uh, mm. to, a, to a company that, as I always said, uh, produced a creative medium for anybody right mm-hmm. uh, and you know I really kind of pushed that idea of Lego as a creative medium not as a toy because if I can convince you that it's a creative medium I can get anybody to buy it teachers grandparents parents kids mm-hmm. adults anybody because who doesn't want to be part of a creative medium doing art right that's different than being a weirdo who plays with toys at, at, at the you know age of 35 right mm-hmm. uh, and it, after the first couple of years I was having a really hard time, sort of breaking through, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. reputation and doggedness were uh, still the process, but it just wasn't moving as fast as I really wanted it to. So one of my best, most successful projects, and actually something that years later led to the Confessions of a Community Manager comic, uh, Mm -hmm. I I put together a roadshow where I went around to 10 offices Mm -hmm. at various parts of the world and uh, introduced myself and introduced the community to colleagues. And I pulled every favor I could pull, every, uh, you know, internal politicking move I could make to get people there in those seats in the first place. And I had two big things that I did to make that work. One was um, I had a slideshow of amazing pictures of adults doing amazing creations, right? This was my focus was the adult fans. And I had that playing as they walked in, right? Just on, on loop, just a bunch of amazing, cool pictures of people doing things. And not just the creations themselves, but people being at events with 50 foot square train layouts with children, Mm -hmm. just eyes wide open going, Oh my God, this is amazing. Um, As many cool pictures I can, I can have on rotate. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I did was built a, created a a 60 page uh, comic. Uh, I worked with one of the, one of the adult fans who was a comic artist. And, you know, he and I, I, I wrote the scripts and he, he drew them and, we kind of collaborated together to make them hilarious. And uh, <laughs> I, I color copied, uh, I don't know how many copies of that thing. And I just have right. a stack of them sitting on the table when people would walk in. And as soon as they right. walk in without me saying a word, they'd pick it up and they'd start reading and laughing and thinking, oh yeah, asking questions. What does this mm. mean? I don't understand why they mm. why, why is this the punchline? Oh, well, because here's why, you know, naturally mm. led to this conversation that wasn't a big presentation, wasn't, you know, a formal event they thought it was walking in and it immediately became something much more informal and conversational. And by the time mm-hmm. we walked out of each one of those 10 sessions, uh, everybody in that room to a person had picked up a comic, had read some or all of it, uh, mm-hmm. asked lots of questions and started to change, change minds. And then just again, more repetition after that, uh, you yeah, more, mm-hmm. more sharing of, of what we were doing with community more. Uh, and I say doggedness. I mean, hardcore push through make it happen you're you're being professional and polite but you're not accepting yeah. no as an answer at any point in time ever <laughs> You right. push through I, I think, make that strategy work
0: it still happens right like uh, even till today I think uh, you you have to be very what is the word like you have to perceive a lot to make an event happen and make it make an event successful more importantly. <clears throat> And even today, I think a lot of people they just uh, they just didn't, don't take a no for answer. They just keep going iterations <laughs> and all that. <clears throat> right. And how did you do that? Like this was, I think this was not happened uh, the road trip and the whole thing. It's it, is it recent or is it like when did this whole thing happen? I'm.
1: Just oh kidding. God, that was. That was. It's been a while. Two thousand three or four. Wow. There.
0: Yeah. like 20, 20 years ago right and yeah. how how did you manage to pull off these events i think now it's it's relatively easy i would say like mm. you use in the internet you use like you know the email as a, as a as a distribution channel like you have social media where you can like spread the word and whatnot <clears throat> what were some of the some of the things that you've implemented that might i think it might also be relevant to now because a lot of in-person events happen mm-hmm. from like, you know, I mean, like on yeah, the ground, and,
1: right? And just to clarify those, that, that roadshow that I did was an internal roadshow. So that was all for employees, right? People mm-hmm. who were kind of pushing back on the idea of why should we support, uh, adult fans at all? Uh, right. the, and you're right. These days it's a lot easier. I'll, I'll say in some ways, it's the the difficulty has shifted right Mm. in the in in the early community days
0: that's the right way to put it it's not easy but (laughs) the difficulty moved from level 10 to like probably level eight or something
1: well and i think the type of difficulty is important too right in the in the early days of community it it really was about to your point right the the things you didn't just say we didn't have social media to promote we didn't have email lists Mm. of people that were easy to get to um uh, it was a lot more organic and word of mouth and how do we get how do we get uh, people to spread the spread the word on their own right uh, you know people are always surprised when I say that you know my six years at Lego I never built one official community platform I didn't have any official Lego fan destinations for the adults wow. uh, and a very simple answer to, to why was the adult fans were doing enough on their own they had their own mm. platforms. They had their own image sharing sites. They had their own uh, events that they were doing. My job wasn't to come in and replace them, and i right. I, I had a I had work to try and com, try to help the rest of the company understand. Our goal is not to come in and professionalize uh, or you know, make official all of these unofficial activities. It mm. is to it is to support and ignite more and more passion that those that those community members had and to support them in the ways that they need supported. So if they were saying to us, I need, I need to get more people to our event. We want to have people there, right? I mean, even having the public come to events in no small part, that was because I kept whispering in their ear saying, have you ever thought about getting the public in to see all these amazing creations you have on display? Cause a lot mm-hmm. of people would have, you know, a lot of these groups, local, the local regional groups would, would have events, but they wouldn't invite the public in. It just it would just be for themselves. And then maybe 30, 40, 50 people that would show up. Um, and as soon as they started to understand that if you invite the public in, there's hundreds of people that can be seeing your creations and really saying, wow, this is amazing, being inspired by them. Um, right. it, it was it, – it suddenly kind of changed the tide, right? But that was my job, was to encourage um, – improvement and growth that was enjoyable to them. Again, back to this everybody goes home happy mantra. You know, the right. the idea of this mantra in community building, and I've I've had it for 20 plus years now, is everybody goes home happy. That means company and community. Hmm. It means that both company and, and community members are seeing and hearing from the other what hmm. makes what makes them happy. So hmm. companies get stuck in this mindset that Oh, we've got to do all this stuff for the community just to do it. No, you don't just do it. You do it because it helps drive your bottom line in some way. Right. It doesn't mean that those things are the same, right? A community may may want, again, to use the Lego example, because we're talking about that today, mm-hmm. they wanted uh, events that had uh, better attendance. And so they needed some help and some ideas and some support uh, mm-hmm. on getting communications out there. That's what made them happy. Mm-hmm. Well, what made me happy was being able to create connections to some of the marketing messages that we had. Not to to over-market based on what Lego Mm -hmm. was doing at a corporate level, but to just start to ingrain those those messages in what they were doing, right? Uh, To help increase attendance was also important to me, Mm -hmm. right? To get uh, more feedback on products, to get more product sales, to get more attendance to these events. When both parties are saying to each other, here's what makes me happy, And while yours is different than mine, I understand yours and I'm willing to support it because I see you coming back at me, understanding Mm -hmm. clearly and telling me that you understand clearly uh, what I want and that you're here to support that as well. Suddenly that, that becomes a symbiotic relationship, right? And it becomes an actual relationship, not just you know, a company saying, Here we're gonna throw some swag to you in a community saying, Okay, fine, we'll put up with you giving me your marketing message, it becomes really ingrained with each other. And I think that's the best way to to work community company. The when I say but the difficulty has shifted mm-hmm. in those early days, getting the idea of community to be to even be appreciated or respected was a big deal. Right? It wasn't uh community in general, even in the beginning of the social media era, you know, there were times where, you know, I had entire meetings and conversations with, with companies just about what social media was and why it was a value, right? Much less how to do it successfully. That came, that came later, right? Getting them to even believe that it was a thing of value in the first place. That was where the difficulty existed years ago. Now, everybody understands social media is part of the process <laughs> to some extent, right? We still have challenges with that in various ways. But but by and large, most people understand social media, community, fan engagement. These are important things that are part of an overall marketing or business mix. Mm. The, the question is, how do you go about it? How do you mm. get uh, companies to stay in a realm of uh, authentic engagement instead of marketing-oriented engagement, right? Campaign thinking. So, you know, again, just as difficult, just in different ways.
0: That, that's that's so true Jake I think what you said is absolutely true and I want to also unpack about the everybody goes home happy the whole five step framework on your website but before that what you said is uh, so true by back then I think there is less awareness less respect and people started like you know kind of I think hopefully getting to the to the notion of building a community so i have like a follow-up question there uh what was it like for you being like one of the all the people who are building communities at that time with such a niche right now pretty much everybody knows what community is like every startup every company every mm-hmm. brand they want to like bring people in intentionally or unintentionally that's for a separate discussion but what was it like for you to like even navigate uh, at that time where, uh, where did you work what was it like to you know uh, go through day to day to day
1: what was the day to- day back back in the day
0: yeah back in the day even like yeah. how did you navigate like we uh, so the current situation is day to day right now if you'd ask me my job is to like go to slack first of all build that community in slack build engagement engaging conversations there have one-on-ones as many as i can empathize with the with the community encourage them champion them try to help them in their world uh, it's kind of like that more importantly like you know uh, but i can't imagine how your day-to-day was like back then and how did you actually build that community without having any of these tools
1: yeah, it's, it's a good question. And what's funny is it's not really that different if I look back, right? Um, what's different for me about – I'll answer your question by by answering slightly differently than, than the way you asked. The way that I, I do community work now uh, mm-hmm. as I've grown over the years is much more about uh, how does the business actually drive – Value generally, not out of community, not from community, but how does it drive business? Business value overall, and how does community fit into that? Where does it fit into that? How does it fit into that? So, for instance, um, you know, are you? You know, how does how, how does your customer journey flow in general? I've been doing more customer journey maps in the last few years than than ever before. Because part of how community works is understanding how that customer fits in the overall business ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. The the overall customer journey needs to be understood to understand how you're thinking about community and what the value of community is to them, to the company, uh, Mm -hmm. where the friction points are, right? A very Mm -hmm. simple, basic example I just posted about on LinkedIn this morning is if you do a customer journey map Mm -hmm. as part of understanding your community members' experience with you and your company and the company's products, and you discover that signing into the community is a very difficult process, mm-hmm. then it's really easy to understand, at least the, at the starting point for solutioning, why you're not growing at the level you need to be or want to be. And I think that gets missed a lot as people get really pigeonholed into this idea of community is the community itself, not how you pull pieces out for product development, product insights, not for how you pull out pieces for uh, understanding things beyond Basic technical support, but larger product support and usage, right? And increasing mm-hmm. product usage, uh, yeah. So on and so on. So when you talk about the community management piece, though,
2: mm-hmm.
1: honestly, the tools are slightly different, but the tasks aren't really any different. My day to day was very similar to what you just described, right? Mm-hmm. The, the The difference was I wasn't going to Slack. Um, mm-hmm. The difference was I may have had to convince my colleagues a whole lot more than we do now to to work with right. the community at all, much less. You know, much more so than like today, you may be convincing your colleagues in a company how how to work with community, uh, and they may have their own ideas, and you've got your own ideas, and you've got to fight for those. Um, but you know, largely, if we go, if you use the the Lego example, um, you know, it was very similar to a lot of the stuff that that you just mentioned. I was going, I was, I was spending a lot of times on the user created forms. There were multiple, mm-hmm. so you know, I'd spend a decent amount of time just. Asking and answering questions, right? And I say asking questions because I really wanted to know and understand. Hey, how are you guys doing with you know, developing your events? What products do you want to see more of? Um, you know, I saw last week that you guys were talking about this this issue that you're having uh, trying to get people to show up to to events. Did that mm. ever get resolved? And if so, how did you how did you come up with that? A lot of the same stuff that you do in an existing community. A single community, right? So, company builds a community for support or for for uh, mm-hmm. engagement, and a community manager's job is to be in there saying, "Oh, yeah, if you introduce yourself in the introduce yourself channel, um, mm-hmm. you know, you just mentioned you had a problem. Did that ever get resolved? And if so, please answer here so that we can all see and benefit from it." Right?
2: right. I was
1: doing a lot of those things. It was just happening over over a series of of unofficial properties. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was. At that time, there was a fair amount of uh, smaller, but smaller than today, but you know, good number of of local meetup groups, right? Local user Mm -hmm. groups, and so I would work with, um, you know, the the leaders of those user groups. What do you need? What are you wanting? What are your members Mm -hmm. telling you? Um, And then I try and take those insights back into the organization in some way. Right. So that may when I say back into the organization, that may be mean that I was hearing people say over and over again, I cannot believe that this product doesn't exist. Where is it? Or I'm having these challenges getting these sorts of uh, products in my local area. And I pipe that right back into the organization as much as I could. Also, sometimes it's piping it back into me. Right. Uh, And my part of the organization where people would say, um, you know, we want to do more events, but we're having a really hard time with getting out to the press. How do we do that? So Mm -hmm. I'd go, uh, try and solve that problem, not just for that one group, but for every group, because if one was having it, most likely every other Mm -hmm. group was having it too. So I'd go and I'd sit with our PR team or I'd come up with my own ideas or I'd just invent them based on conversations I'd had with other, uh, user group leaders about how to get in front of the media. And I'd create a post or I'd create a document and I'd send it out to as many people as would receive it. Right. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd also work hard on uh, driving our own, our own goals on the community team. Um, if we had goals of seeing more uh, large-scale events, you know, from, from fans, what are all the techniques? Well, they need stuff. They need venues. They need encouragement. They need uh, support. They need sometimes just a few words of, uh, of encouragement just it could go a very yeah. long way uh no no man you got this you can do this have you thought about these three things oh okay that makes me feel much better off I go have <laughs> you talked to these two people over here they just had they, I just talked to them six months ago and they had exactly the same concerns do you know him well, let me introduce you right there was a lot of that party host mentality uh, happening mm. all day every day different different types of properties wasn't happening on slack it was happening across sites like lugnet Lego user group network. Uh, Mm -hmm. Um, what that stood for, but that was one of the big fan group, uh, forums. Mm -hmm. Uh, it happened at events. I'd, I'd spend, uh, every year, uh, I'd spend about 60 plus percent of my budget on travel. So I'd just show up at user group meetings and participate as a, as a member. And they'd ask me questions or I'd do a Q and a, and, uh, again, kind of Mm -hmm. funnel all those questions back into my own tasks or, uh, content for people to hear. Yeah, I answered this question. It seemed like a really good question. Let me throw it in the forums and you guys can all rally around that mm. conversation. Uh, right. So and so forth. Not, not that different, really.
0: Yeah, I, I think I can kind of, I'm imagining how you did like, you know, kind of like more groundwork, you know, calling people, emailing people and as such. Uh, and I think fundamentally what you said is absolutely true. Uh, it's all about like us bringing people together, Ultimately, like providing value and solving the problems they're facing, right? I think you know uh, what you said is also kind of. I want to reiterate, which is, I think community builders are great matchmakers, <laughs> right? They connect, right. right? They have this. They have. We all have this tendency of how to connect two folks or more. Uh, so you you also talked a lot about product, you know, and in your experience how did you bring or blend the two words like product into community and community into product?
1: Yeah. And let me, so I'll kind of, I'll kind of fast forward as to today and kind of my philosophy for today about this. Um, yeah. it, it was forming back then. I was working on it back then, but I think I've, I've seen this play out over the years a lot more directly. I think that the, you talk about kind of how they, how they blend, where's the lines of one versus the other. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think I'd reframe that question a little bit to talk about um, how are you engaging your, your community to develop better products together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And what does that mean? A lot of times when I say something like that, some phrase along those lines, (laughs) The, the people I'm talking to say, "Oh, you mean like turning over our our our, our product development to the to the fans mm-hmm. um, or you know sourcing uh, you know, kind of tribal knowledge or or you know mm-hmm. uh, crowdsourcing ideas and that sort of thing. Maybe, but mm-hmm. more specifically, what I'm talking about is again, mapping the journey, right? So there's a customer journey that that goes through. there's a product development journey as well. And thinking about your product development journey, where you're, you're thinking about how to get the, the community, using my quotey fingers, the community, um, how do you get them involved at each step of that product development cycle? Mm-hmm. So when you're in the process of, of, of wrapping up, so most companies, most of the time, unless they're a brand new startup, but even then there's still some some wiggle room on this idea. Most companies, most of the time are working on the next product. Right. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've had, they have one in the marketplace. They're working on developing the next or the next iteration of the product, Uh, which means that in many ways, the product development starts at the launch of the previous product because Mm -hmm. you start getting ideas immediately. (coughs) Excuse me. You start getting feedback almost immediately. So how do you think about um, what's happening with that feedback? How to prioritize that feedback? How to use the, the strongest voices? maybe not necessarily the, adam- the most adamant, but I mean the strongest, the most representative voices mm-hmm. in the community who are speaking about uh, what's, what their interests, what their concerns are, what their desires are for the next round. <coughs> Excuse me, my turn now. Uh, how does that translate into your your development brainstorming for the next product, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How do you bring that voice into those product development rooms? And in, in my opinion, the product side is, is as much about using community to keep product developers out of the dark, deep hole of product development yeah. that engineers and product designers tend to go into when they're in the midst of designing a product. There's this mentality that what we're doing is secret. If what mm-hmm. we're doing is secret, then we need to go into a hole to protect everything. right? So right. nothing gets out. The problem with nothing getting out is nothing else can get in either. Right. Yeah. So, how do you bring the voices of the community in at the right times in the right ways? Bringing representation of what's being said about the product into from the community into those initial brainstormings is important. Maybe even empowering a, a couple of people, two or three people, from the community who, again, are representative voices—voices voices who are speaking mm-hmm. on behalf of community desires and needs—and doing it very effectively. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe you bring some of those in at that early development cycle. As you start to prototype, how are you bringing people in to actually put their hands on these things from an outside viewpoint and manipulate them, talk to them, let the product designers watch them? This is not replacing the two-way mirror room, right, that that you put somebody in a, in a focus group room or a group mm-hmm. of people in a focus group room, and you have a facilitator at the front, and there's a two-way mirror where the company's developers or product product engineers are watching this yeah. all happen and seeing, you know, okay, what do they do then? Okay, this is good. <laughs> it's all being recorded. We'll review it later. You know, takeaways <laughs> are written. That usability testing is incredibly important as well. This takes nothing right. away from that. But right. you can only usability test so often, right, just right. from a pure budgetary standpoint, much less a logistics or value standpoint. But you can get those voices in on a regular basis. You can get them in at smaller increments. You can get them in not to have statistically valid data that may come from that two-way mirror, room, but to get initial reactions, right? To, Mm. again, keep those product developers out of that deep, dark hole where nothing gets out, but nothing else gets in either. Just keep them honest as they go because the development cycle is much better. And then as you get closer to a release, how do you take those, those handful of people you've had involved and some new ones? and get mm-hmm. a product development, or sorry, a product beta program in place, right? Mm-hmm. A product insights program, whatever you wanna call it. Um, how do you get that in place as you get closer to launch so that before you get to the, you know, mm-hmm. past that immovable point of, we can make some software updates at some point, but it's already gold mastered and it's out the door and we can't do anything to change it. Before you get to that point, how are you putting um, beta product in their, in their hands and getting really good feedback? And again, doing it in a way that's community voice driven so that you're also setting up an outcome when you launch fully where you can say, yes, we've made changes. We've made big changes, but you've been represented all along the way by people that you know and love, right? By your representative voices, not by some unknown usability test of random strangers that were pulled off the street to put into that usability testing environment. But people that right. came from the community that people actually may recognize the, those, those names, right?
2: Hmm.
1: Oh, okay. Well, they represented the, the community on my behalf. Let me rethink about how I react to this new product coming out. And the greatest example of this is the Mindstorms, Lego Mindstorms product that, that we did and that, that program that we put together. The The very short version of this is, uh, um, about eight or ten months before the launch of Mindstorms 2.0 Mindstorms NXT mm-hmm. a product that was the 2.0 version, the 1.0 version was, was 10 years old, a technology project product that was 10 years old. You can imagine how far behind <laughs> at that point the, yeah, this product yeah. was. Well they were they developed the product to last another 10 years or longer um, and to be uh, to be expandable in the future. Right. So that uh, it lasted even maybe even longer, a little more effectively. Nothing was backwards compatible. Right. (laughs) So I knew that the moment I heard that, that we were going to have to do some things differently. we were going to have to get some of those representative voices involved so that when we launched that we didn't have the entire community lose their minds saying, I've got to toss out everything that I've invested money over the last 10 years in because there's a whole new system instead of having them say, I get it. I've got to upgrade my system, but man, look what I get, right? Mm. And in order to do that, not only do we have to have those voices involved in the process of development because we didn't want to miss anything,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but we had to make sure that those voices were representative enough that when that product came out and I said, hey, I had John and David and Ralph and Steve on this thing, and they all went, yeah, we know those guys. If they were involved, Mm. this must be cool. right Right. and sure enough when we launched um eight months later or so that group of uh, individually the the first four that i chose took me three months to figure out which of the four to to really choose all all Mm -hmm. silently um and the product team within lego was kind of like i don't know i don't know i'm not sure (laughs) if i want them involved i don't know how much value they can add and over time um you know, fairly quick time once we got started with this program, they went from the product team went from saying, maybe they'll give us some input to, these guys are great. They're delivering technical drawings, they're delivering code snippets, they're delivering insanely good ideas. They're giving us feedback we never even thought of. Man, this this is really helping the development cycle. This is mm-hmm. so good that we do we want more people. Eh, you right. had four, can we do can we do nine? Can we get nine right. people involved? Right? right. And it worked wonderfully. Um, so when right. we launched, there wasn't a bunch of backlash. There wasn't a bunch of, mm. you know, it was an entire community of people losing their minds saying, Why did you do this? Why did right. you make this change? They went, Oh God, if these guys are involved, it must be cool. Let me pause for a second right. and see what you actually released instead of, I don't care what it is, it's no good. Right. right. And it worked right. wonderfully. Right. So, yeah. Again, where you involve the voices and the people, and which voices and which people, and which uh, steps of the of the journey—it's a—it's a process that is is really right. important. Again, kind of back to what what I'm doing now is that maturing of the process that we had effectively we had in place, but you know, really getting that much deeper, much more ingrained, and much much less uh, argumentatively included. Right? right now, it's much more. Uh, it's not a given yet but you know the idea of, it, of doing these sorts of things isn't quite as crazy as it used to be
0: yeah those are great insights for for founders who are listening uh, especially building products even like you know service any business right like involving community and predominantly finding out those voices so i have a follow-up question there how do you have like a framework where you identify these voices what did you do like you said you took three months to like identify like four guys right Mm -hmm. in in that program it's it's not like a like an overnight thing you basically have to do a lot of filtering and whatnot any any suggestions there that you used that might help the listeners as well when they choose their true fans or uh, yeah like champion community members to help them in their product development
1: yeah and and building a champions program is a little bit different than one of these product insight programs um just because the the champions programs are, are meant to be a little bit more uh, you, you sort of you sort of skim the the champions off of the off of the cream mm-hmm. that rises from the community right that you know, you're, you're seeing those folks the champions pro, champions programs tend to not be surprises about who you who you select right they've kind of naturally mm-hmm. been over time moving themselves up the the leadership rungs of the community so it's pretty easy to look at the leadership level and the you know, the most active user level and say, "Hey, which you know, which ones do we want to invite?" The the product insights are a little bit different because uh, they are they are they are people again. I start with the represent- representative voices. I want to make sure that everybody in there doesn't say, "Why did you choose them? Why mm-hmm. why that guy?" Right? I want them saying. I know why you chose that guy. I'm super jealous I didn't get chosen, but fair <laughs> enough, right? Uh, that's the kind of dynamic you want to build. And how do you build that? How do you find that, that person? Well, number one, some of that work, a lot of that work happens before you ever say to yourself, we've got a new project we want to bring people in, right? Because you're actually, as a community manager, you're paying enough attention to who's in the community, who's rising up, what they're doing, who people listen to. That when a if a colleague comes and says, "Hey, we're launching a new product. We'd like to get the community involved. What do you do?" Well, as a community manager, community professional, you're ready on the spot to say, "I know immediately what I'm going to do. I've got names I can get back to you. Help me understand what you're trying to achieve, what you're willing to put into this. Okay, I've got it. I'm on it." Right. Uh, So you're already watching for those sorts of things. So in this in the Lego example, I I already knew. A number of the people who were big names in the, commu- in the uh, Mindstorms community, sub-community. That was part of it. Right? I already knew that. The second part, mm. though, was I had to deal with two big things. One was the representation. Yeah. Right, I wanted the community to, to know that I was choosing the right people um, mm. to, to truly represent them. The other piece was I had to make sure that I understood personality dynamics, how the working styles were, uh, communication styles, because this was largely going to be a, uh, a time offset uh, virtual activity. Mm-hmm. I wasn't bringing them all to Denmark from from parts of the world unknown to work together in the, in the Danish office, right? They were going right. to work virtually. Well, Denmark also, most of the, I think all four of those folks, for, for various reasons, were U.S.-based at that time. Uh,
0: so you, which you've kind of was, already, you've kind of experienced like the work from home back then. <laughs> it's yeah, not like yeah, absolutely, or...
1: <laughs> absolutely, yeah, I, right. yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Um, but we were also offset. You know, Denmark to US was six to nine hours difference. So right. you know, people who who had a hard time functioning out of real time uh, weren't going to be great fits, right? So so it was. It was sort of personality. It was communication style. It was mm-hmm. representative voice. Um, it was also what uh, what I was trying to actually do with these folks, right? Mm-hmm. What why why the four that I was going to choose? Because that was at the time I, I believe that that was the number that I kind of got the product team to agree to. Okay, we'll deal right. with with a couple of people. Sure, whatever. begrudgingly saying yes. What's the smallest number? And I got it to four because in that case. I was working on Mindstorms, and Mindstorms really had four four criteria. It had hardware, it had software, it had events, and it had content. Mm. And so I found somebody to represent hardware, somebody to represent software, somebody to represent events, and somebody to represent content. Right. And when I when I did that, it, it kind of fell into place that four was the right number. Uh, right. And then, and then I, that also helped guide me about... You know, who had the most credibility when it came to hardware? And right. did they have good good communication to talk to the product development team? Would the product development team accept them and their ideas, uh, right. you know, for, for what they were working on and how they thought about what they were doing? Uh, you know, so that it, a lot of structure, you know, so again, I started off with the larger goal of I wanted to have people that the product team really respected and the community team really respected. Everybody goes home happy. Right. And I wanted to make sure that they represented the core areas of the product in a way that uh, didn't leave anything out. And then I, so that was the, 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 what the, how was a whole lot about, um, so I talked to each one of them covertly, you know, so I'd have Mm -hmm. some calls. Hey, what do you, what do you got going on? What are you working on? Tell me more. Just to see kind of how their conversational style went when I was thinking about it. These are people I'd known for years, but it's different than knowing somebody and actually kind of, trying them out yep. for, yeah. for, a, for a task. Yeah. Um, I, I watched and researched and kind of looked back uh, on the record, uh, of within the forum discussions, how people had, uh, reacted to them, you know, and, and made sure that there was, there was some respect and some respect being shown for those, those people. Um, I talked to a lot of people just generically about, you know, Hey, I, I, need, a, I, I need a tough question answered about Mindstorms hardware. Who do I talk to? Right. Then I kind of made a little note in my in my brain about oh you know this guy had you know check 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 this person had this check 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 uh, right you know th- those sorts of things it was it was just a lot of manual labor of of kind of you know, covert interviewing basically
0: <laughs> hmm. yeah so it's it's very interesting that you mentioned this product insight man, insights program which you know which is which is something I rarely hear these days it's most of the communities. Uh, most of the startups, they, they have either an ambassador program or a champion program or whatever it is that is mm-hmm. celebrating the super fans, right? So I think to me, what you said, just want to differentiate champions are more helpful when it comes to marketing, word of mouth. Just there you are like truly like, you know, the ones who are spreading the word on your behalf, right? And of course, there are some folks who are also users, you know, in that in that set, but I think what you said is absolutely true. The set of people uh, you've chosen for the inside you know program at Lego is more hands-on involved in the in the in the product, right? They use the product and mm. the kind of and I'm very really curious, how did you incentivize them? Like like did they ever ask like why should I like you know help you? What was like your conversation yeah. like Yeah, it's a good
1: it's a good question. It's one that people get caught up on a lot. Let me back up one step, though. You talked about um, you know ambassador programs, uh, champions programs, the product insight group. You know all these things that, in some ways, feel very similar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I I think that each one of them has their own unique uh, their own their own uniqueness, right? right A, yeah. An ambassador program, as as it's typically defined, although this is part of the challenge, is that everybody uh, defines everything differently, right? But it, typically, an ambassador program is much more uh, of a rewards-based model. If you post mm-hmm. these three things, you get points, and if you get points, you can turn them in for swag. And mm-hmm. those can work really great for for communities. I don't personally tend to do a lot of those,
2: mm-hmm.
1: simply because that's that's more of a... I think that falls more of a, into a traditional marketing realm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Uh, it's a very uh, tit for tat type of relationship, right? There's a quid pro quo there. That to me it doesn't really s- scream community, right? It, mm-hmm. it it's a it's a uh, yeah it's just a different thing. A champions program or a super user program to me tends to be much more about. Um, Your the top tier of your users based on usage, leadership, respect, being um, given, granted extra permissions, Mm -hmm. extra um, extra roles in the community, right? Um, And I don't say permissions as far as like what they have access to, although that may be part of it. I mean that they're getting they're getting more access, maybe more access to me as the company leader. Uh, maybe more access to be invited to things like a product insights program, um, but that typically that's a way for for us to really reward and recognize uh, people who are doing more within the community itself, right? That's different than somebody you know anybody who who's doing some things and getting some re- rewards in in reaction, like an ambassador program. That's also different than a product insights program that is. Um, really meant to bring somebody into that product development cycle for a relatively limited time for a fairly specific purpose, right? Uh, all all of those are different. Now they may all include my most active superfans, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. but they may not, right? And they mm-hmm. all function differently with different goals, different sets of dynamics and rules and rewards and the whole nine, right? Um. The the incentive piece, though, uh, is an interesting one because the for me, when we're talking about really truly bringing in representative voices into a product development cycle, most of the time that's largely that that access is largely what the reward is, right? Mm. I get to actually be part of this. I get to sit side by side, directly or indirectly, right. deep yeah. or not so deep. I get to sit side by side with the product development team, and that in itself is amazing. To somebody who loves the product, who is who is somebody who is representative of enough of the community, they're re- representative of the community. They've been there a while, right? Right. Somebody who's been there two days isn't representative of the community. That nobody knows. Right. That just showed up. So, you know that that investment in time in the community is basically getting a payoff that is a direct connection to, to the best part, the most fun part of. The community is that you know being involved in the product being a leader in the community being respected by not just the community itself but by also the company and the, and the members of the product design team you're getting a mm-hmm. peek behind the curtain that most people don't get right you're backstage at the, you know at the u2 concert that's an amazing place to be right and mm-hmm. most people most of the time in their lifetimes will never get that that in so- itself by and large is the reward mm-hmm. now the other incentive layer on top of that is is stuff that is not about payment. It's not about bribing. It's not about direct, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, coercion Anybody. to get the stuff. Right. It's the stuff that makes them remember why the thing that they're getting access to is so cool. So a t-shirt mm-hmm. that says, you know, Product Insights Program 2003 can be as valuable as a thousand dollar check, right? Because it is, you know, the thousand dollars is, you know, dismissible. That- but getting that T-shirt that nobody else in the world's going to have, getting you know a piece of the, I don't know, getting one of the test prototypes and getting to keep that, right? Because mm-hmm. that was part of something that nobody else in the world's going to have. You know, these are things that they don't cost much, other than a lot of thought. Um, yeah, they, I mean, you still got to print the T-shirt, but you know, the costs of that are relatively inexpensive, and the the value for both the participant and the company are Immeasurable.
0: So, in a way, I think it's it's definitely not monetary. It's more intangible, that you can only feel it, right? I, I see what you're saying. I think it's it's really like someone who's into product development, that that geek about products or get get that first access and ex, that exclusivity as well. Like you're you're mm. part of an exclusive club is something that you know a lot many people play in. I was just wondering, yeah, and
1: I'll, I'll add one more just to kind of cap that off though. I think there's one really important. Point to make this doesn't mean you get to take advantage of your community because they're excited again mm-hmm. we go back to everybody goes home happy mm-hmm. and community members who who start to feel like you're taking advantage of them aren't going to be happy and you throw off that ratio right that mantra is mm-hmm. broken at that point and mm-hmm. where a lot of people get a lot of a lot of companies uh, lose track of the fact that these aren't your employees. They're not here to work Mm -hmm. for you. They're not here to have an expectation of a nine to five job where you're punching in to work on the product insights program. You are specifically making it fun for them and fun can be limited time. Fun can be a lot of time. You're, you're, you're watching and engaging in that understanding. And that's why a lot of times uh, I, where I see these things go wrong is where a community manager finds the people, turns them over to the product team and then disappears. Instead of helping to community manage that small group, Maybe, maybe very hands-on, maybe very indirect, but they're still doing the same party host mentalities, right? They're checking in on the conversation. They're checking in on how people are are vibing. They're they're having checkpoints. A party doesn't go on forever. It gets kind of funky, right? Like some of the best parties are the ones where you know how long the thing's going to be for and what the goal is, right? Right. Uh, And the same thing goes here, right? That we, we may have a product insights program that lasts for three weeks and then we specifically have an activity to say, hey, are you guys having fun? Do you want to keep going? Mm-hmm. And then you're judging what their answer is, not just on what their words are, but how they react, right? How right. the product right. team is reacting, how, how the whole process has been going all along. If they say, right. yeah, this is great. I, I don't want to stop now. Okay, great. Then right. we'll give you another, instead of doing three weeks, we'll do six weeks now. But you're right. not saying we're exactly. going to have a year-long program. Because if it's a year-long right. program and commitment, that's a job right? That's a different discussion <laughs> you might altogether. As well,
0: you might as well hire them, right? <laughs>
1: right, right. That's exactly right. And, and you might as well hire them because that's what, at that point, when you're asking for that level of commitment, what would make right. me happy, what would make them happy, if you're asking me for a 12-month commitment, is some right. money to go with it, right? The dynamics right. change. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there is a, a you know, there is a, a community management aspect of these product, develop- product insight programs I think it's right. missed a lot, where it's like, oh, we'll just grab them and we'll put the mindset of the two-way mirror in place. Throw them in a room, get some feedback from them, and then, cool, we're done, out. But that's not really right. a product insight program, right? That's a very right. poorly run you know, <laughs> uh, user survey.
0: Right, yeah, or a focus group. So quick follow-up on that. Do you think it's because Lego has this program that the, there is a, there is a global brand that is behind this program that attracted people or because the reason i'm asking the question is what about uh, everybody craves for feedback fundamentally all founders mm-hmm. all product builders right they want to iterate they want to improve you know for people and and these 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 startups that just get started how do they build like a program like this right it's it's very rare that at these days people are very excited about like hey i'm getting this exclusive access until you know, uh, as long as it's not hi- well hyped up or like you know, you see what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. there is a brand presence that that might attract people, but what about the other folks? What do you what do you suggest there?
1: Yeah, so so it's a very good question, and with with companies that have existing known brands with existing communities of scale. Uh, You're right. It is a lot easier to say, Hey, of all the people, you know, it's a lot easier to pull out three people from a hundred thousand person community than it is from a hundred person community or a zero person community because you've not yet launched. Right. I think that's where you go back again to what is our goals here? Right. Um, What are we really trying to achieve by bringing people into this cycle, into this development cycle? Because if your goal is to really get, So if you're a startup, you don't have any community built because your product isn't launched yet. Mm -hmm. Rare is the case, if ever, that the product is so net new, unique, never been seen before that there's absolutely no similarity to anything else out there anywhere, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Most of the time, you're launching a version of something that already exists with your idea being that it's a better version. So what already exists? Where are those people? Where are those community members? How do you pull them aside? You know, if it's a if it's a tech product, can you go into tech communities and say, mm-hmm. you know, to people that you're finding, you're manually curating, or sometimes depending on the dynamics, if you've already been participating in a uh, in, in a tech community for, for this for the industry, let's say that you're mm-hmm. about to launch into. You know, if you I'm a photographer, so I'll use photography as an example. This is where, you know, the founder credibility in a lot of ways, or the founding team may be uh, important because that team, if that team has been participating in photography forums Mm
2: -hmm.
1: themselves, then they have some level of existing credibility. They also probably have some level of existing knowledge about who might be the right people to engage. Um, (laughs) But whoever's running your product team or your community team, that's going to be building this, this sort of integration into the product development life cycle. Right. They them being able to spend some time in those existing forums. I'm I'm launching a new camera accessory. Well, mm. where else are camera accessories being talked about? Who is mm. talking about them? Who loves them like crazy and would be a great person to bring in? Who who has a fair and balanced view of camera accessories when they post their reviews? Right? Okay, right. now we've got some sense of where to start looking. And you can pull them in from there, right? absolute worst case scenario. You're not sure how to do that. Maybe your budget limited or time limited, uh, you know, however it might be thinking about how to pull, pull potential audience members, potential buyers of your users, whatever the word is for your particular product. Mm. Thinking about that, you know, this is where people sometimes can go wrong by asking some of their friends and family who already love them. And do very little. Nobody else in the world knows them. You can't put them up as a hero because that's my mom. Well, that's great. That, that's definitely part of the process. I always run stuff past my mom. I've been doing it for 20 years just to kind of see her reaction to things. But that's a very different task, right? Uh, being able to go out and say, I'm selling this camera accessory to photographers who mostly shoot weddings, and then going locally and saying, I'm going to find the top five wedding photographers in town and just Go ask them to participate, right? right? that's a, That can be a great way to do that without having, because that's who I'm going to individually end up selling to. Whether or not they're highly engaged in an existing community in my local area of wedding photographers or not, mm-hmm. maybe you don't do, maybe that's too far, right? Maybe it's right. as simple as just saying, who is the target audience? I'm going to go find some great people in that target audience and pull them into this cycle. And if their representative voice is wonderful, maybe I can help them become a representative voice by you know broadcasting the fact that they were participatory in our program from the beginning giving them the chance to talk about it as well themselves
0: right yeah no it makes makes sense i think what you're saying uh is kind of do a lot of legwork go to go to the places where your niche exists right talk to talk to them about your product and like really hustle and grind you know that's that's the key mm. in the early stage. If you don't have a community, so I do have like a follow up question on this very interesting debate that that goes on and on and on uh, forever on on Twitter and whatnot. In your opinion, does do founders should build a product first or a community first?
1: Yeah, this is. Uh... This is, this is a question that comes up a lot, and this is a good question to wrap up on. Um, I don't know that it's, I don't know that that's the question. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, that question has, I've been. At, I've, I've heard that question come up. I've been asked that question a number of times over the years, and I think it's the wrong framing uh, mm-hmm. because it, it makes the assumption that one has to therefore be more important than the other. Mm-hmm. Or it has to be first and then something else has to be second. I don't know that that's the right way to think about it. You know I think mm-hmm. that I think that the, the more that you can get representative voices involved in the development of a product, the better that product is. And I think the more that you get representative voices involved in, in developing your product, the more that they act as uh, advocates on your behalf when you launch. Whether that's within an existing community that you're making a 2.0 or 7.0 version of the product that you've had out for years, or whether you're doing what I was saying earlier, where you're going out and finding people from existing communities to come ask you know for their help in in, in that process, I think that again, as I was saying earlier, looking at your product development roadmap or your product development cycle and saying where are we going to get community voices involved as early as possible in the best way possible. That doesn't mean bringing in a hundred people as you're brainstorming, that'd be a dumb idea, right? Mm-hmm. But bringing in those voices at parts of the brainstorming process or as parts of the prototyping process to get initial reaction is the important part. Because part you know, as I said earlier, a big part of uh, these product insight programs or just community engagement in general, is to try and keep those product developers up out of the, 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 the black hole where nothing gets out, but nothing gets in, right? Right. So if you're doing that, then inherently, you're doing both at the same time always. The question is to what volume, to what openness, right? How many people do you have? How much are you sharing with them? How much are you locking down their ability to share with the larger community? And that, yeah. you know, NDAs are important at certain parts of the development cycle are incredibly less important, but that still get asked to be signed later on in the development cycle, right? How do we get more voices at the right time as part of the process so that it is a singular process of community and product all intertwined in the right way at the right time?
0: Right. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I do have like a like that works really well for sure. Like thinking from top down from a product standpoint, mm-hmm. you involve as many like what you're saying is more of like an influencer in in that space as much as you can, who has skin in the game, in the product, and who can actually elevate the product to the next level. I do also think that what you said to the other point, like people who have no audience, for example, I tried that method before even starting something, which is I pick a niche before even starting a product. And I used to like go talk to these folks who are already being gathered, talking about that same niche, which I am involved, and I, I used to like kind of contribute my opinions, help them elevate them, and in that process, I used to like, hey, pitch. What about like you know this idea? What do you think about it? So it's kind of like an audience building. Uh, I wouldn't call it as a framework per se, but kind of like a, like an experiment I ran for myself over the past years when I was building products and it worked massively well, right? Like I built so many products like that where I used to listen to people and involve them even before there is no idea, for example, and contribute like, you know, to them and provide value. And in reverse, like they're kind of like, they feel guilty because I did so much to them. They like, okay, let me support this guy, you know? So I think it's, it's I think what you said is right. It's not like which comes first or which comes second. It's more about what you're really good at. Like you know, if you're comfortable building the product and taking that to the to the to the people, good. If you're more of like an audience builder who's really good at bringing people together, and then you want to build a product, good. <laughs> Both works. So uh, sure.
1: Well, and also I also encourage anybody who's listening to this uh, to remember that community doesn't equate to the platform that I have officially launched as part of my com website. Right, community means where people are showing up and talking about the things that you want to be them to be talking about. And to your point, you know, it's finding that niche and then going and participating. I, I do think that a part of uh, a part of the community manager's job isn't just to stay on on the owned properties. It's also mm-hmm. to go out to the to the you know it's the home base outpost passports model. Right? Home mm-hmm. base is all the things that I own, the .com for my brand, right? the mm-hmm. plat- community platform that I bought and installed for my brand. Mm-hmm. Outposts are places like Facebook, Twitter, uh, y- you know, places where I have my own space. It's, it's an outpost, but it's on somebody else's platform. Um, and then passports are the, the places where um, community activity is happening, right? uh, but it's not necessarily tied to any, anything I can control as the brand. But they're talking about me, right? So right. it's one thing just to use Southwest Airlines because it just popped into my head. They've got their southwest.com. They've got their discussion board forum. Uh, is their community platform? That's their home base. They've also got, I'm um, last I checked, the you know Facebook page for for Southwest. They can control all the content and they own the content, mm-hmm. but it's on somebody else's platform, right? Um, and then passports are places like the the unofficial you know, travel site flyer talk, right? And and thinking about what they do, what they monitor, what they participate in on those sites. Do they engage with the webmaster and say, you know, hey, do you mind if I come answer some questions here? And then thinking about, you know, overall, that that whole mix of three different tiers is community, right? That I built community at Lego and I never once built a platform because there was enough community happening elsewhere that I engaged there, right? And to your point about kind of finding that niche and participating, what's more important than which comes first is how early do you get involved and stay involved right because Mm -hmm. you can't just show up as the brand and say hey it's my Mm -hmm. first day here can i pitch you my my goods but if you've been an active community member right who happens to work at a company and then you say hey by the way i happen to work at this company doing this thing anybody interested and they already know who you are you've already got a track record of participation it's gonna be a lot easier to make that work right? right and that Community work starts at day one, whether or not, you know, typically when I hear that question, product or community first, it's the product I build or the community I build, which one comes first. And Mm -hmm. I'd say community starts the day you start to envision your product or your company. How you build that product happens in parallel, Mm -hmm. but you're building community in all the places and all the spaces that make sense to you in your community strategy and product strategy. At the same time, you're building out that product, right? There are two very different, very intertwined. It's like DNA strands, right? That they do very different things, but they mix yeah. together mm-hmm. constantly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, f- for sure. I think uh, if you are active and genuinely active, you know, without any intention to like kind of, you know, uh, sell or anything, I think you have much more chance of success, than with, any, with an intention of like, hey, I want to you know penetrate my product into what you, whatever you're doing. So <clears throat> a couple of more questions before we wrap up. Uh, one of the things you mentioned in earlier before we hit record was thinking uh, or the involvement of community impact on larger businesses, right? let's let's dive into a little bit of, on that front. In your opinion, how to build a community, uh, and work as a holistic, cohesive approach of doing business. What are what are, How did you in, think about community integration into building businesses, not like a standalone thing? So, w- what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, and I'll kind of lightning around this because I know we've we've have been long-winded on a number of these questions. I'll, I'll lightning around this uh, as we wrap up. Um, I think the. The idea is a relatively simple one um, that looking at, sorry, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: looking at um, all the parts of the business that can be impacted by customer voice and bringing those in, not siloing off community uh, into its own standalone business unit, its own standalone team its own standalone activities, its own standalone KPIs. Um, There's there's a lot of of community teams that look at their community KPIs and then they're done. Mm. My question about KPIs is always, what are the three things that the CEO is responsible for? Because everything else distills down from that. And if you're not Mm. part of that, you're going to be on the outside of the rest of the company. If you're helping to deliver on those things, now you're an integral part of the company, a lot harder to downsize you, a lot harder to close out your projects, uh, a lot harder to lose funding for your community, right? If you're, if you're delivering on, on business outcome and where that works, how that works, how that taps into uh, parts of the company depend entirely on what the company's dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. So if the company has a major HR issue that they're dealing with, how can you help with that? If it's having a major growth issue, how can you help with that? If support teams are overwhelmed, how can you support with? How can you uh, support that idea, or that mm-hmm. issue? You know, so that's my my easiest takeaway is understand what the company's uh, goals and metrics are for the for the year, for the quarter, and mm-hmm. work really hard to align against those. Have your own, sure, but right. also make sure you're delivering on the larger business uh, objectives.
0: Well, that's yeah, that's so true. Uh, one last question before we kind of like wrap up this. This, is, this has been like long longest episode I ever did in this podcast. <clears throat> uh, what's something, couple, couple of like sub questions I would say. One, number one is, what's your advice for the listeners who are on this journey to start a community or even nurture a community if they've already started? Number one. Number two, what are some things that you're observing that is going wrong in the community space?
1: Yeah, so two easy answers, because we've been talking about them already. What's the best thing you can do to, to build a community, to activate a community, to speed up a slow-growing community? The number one thing I'll share is figure out your everybody-goes-home-happy dynamics. You better be real clear on what it is that the community wants, what makes them happy. Most of the time when problems are happening, that's why you don't have a clear enough picture of that and make sure you're doing a better job, however good you're doing, do a better mm-hmm. job of communicating to the community. What makes you happy? Figure out how to communicate that effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a certain art to that, but, uh, uh, and I will, I will plug my own services. I can help with that. That's what I do for a living is help, uh, organizations with that sort of uh, strategy and, and communications work, uh, as well as just about anything else that needs to be done in the community. But you know, really figure out how how to understand what makes the community happy, understand how to promote what makes you happy, and mm-hmm. figure out what that uh, what that conversation looks like. The second question you had: What goes wrong? What's mm-hmm. been going wrong? And and I think uh, the simplest answer I can give is missing the business objectives question. Too many people spending too much time because, and you know, honestly, uh, not surprisingly, if your team is small, you've got a lot of work to do, the more the community grows and the less your team grows, you know, the more work you have to do to just keep the lights on in the community. It's hard to remember how to tap into those business objectives. And then it becomes a little bit chicken and the egg about, you know, I want to get more funding, but I need to, you know, so I need to really get tight with the rest of the business to get that support for that funding. But I can't get that because I've got so much going on in the community that you know I, I just can't find those cycles. You got to find those cycles to figure out how to not only understand and work against those business objectives, but also do the internal politicking to promote the fact that you are doing that. Because no matter how good you are, if you're not promoting it, it doesn't really matter much.
0: Yeah, I love that. A Couple of great advices, and I think that's that's we can close the episode on that high note. Uh Jake this has been great and i hope like you know people get as much value as they can as they can uh, listening to the episode any any closing thoughts before we close up
1: yeah so i'll uh, i'll just uh share that if you want to find out a little bit more about me you can find my website at jakemckey.com uh, nice and simple um nice. the 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 webcomic you mentioned earlier which has been a fun uh pandemic era distraction for um uh, community managers, it's a confessions of a community manager.com. Uh, nice. and then the other, the other program I run is a, um, uh, a monthly event series called dinner five. You can find mm-hmm. out more at com slash dinner five, but it's a, um, it's a, an event for senior community leaders, uh, to come together only five at a time so a small group, uh, to come together monthly for, uh, what I like to call conversation, camaraderie, and connection. So, you know, being able to talk in kind of a Kona silence uh, environment about issues that are of of importance to them, that they're they're struggling with, want to get opinions on, um, all over a tasty box of snacks that I send out to all the attendees uh, a few days before the event.
0: Awesome! Yeah, we'll we'll put all the links in the show notes for sure. Like, yeah. But thanks, guys. Thanks for Sounds tuning great. in. Thanks, Jake. Uh, and that's a wrap. Stay tuned for the next episode. Cheers. Thank you.